Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Chris Boyd. Chris is the founder and CEO of Asset Management Resources. A RIA in Massachusetts. He's also the host of Something More with Chris Boyd, the radio show on News Radio 95WXTK. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have the opportunity. All right, let's go back in time. How'd you get started in the financial services business? I actually started as a life insurance agent uh, back in the day, back in 1990. Did that for three years and uh, enjoyed it. But and got a lot of good uh, experience from the from having done that. But uh, I also uh, realized that wasn't the way I wanted to structure my business. And um, having been a captive of a couple of insurance agents, uh, insurance companies, large insurance companies in that time, I realized I really wanted to have more independence. Left the business for a few years. Uh, worked in the independent broker dealer world for a while which basically gave me more of that freedom to work with clients uh, in how I saw fit, but ultimately moved to uh, the registered investment advisor world, which is um, what people now I think kind of recognize as a fiduciary platform, which allows for us to work with people in a fee-based setting where um, we have the opportunity to uh, help with their financial planning and portfolio management and um, I just I think it's a it's a much better structure and we've been real happy with that change over time. But it's been a progression. Sure. So what types of clients are you serving now? We work primarily with retirees, uh, people in or near retirement. Uh, we talk about uh, those for those intent on a secure retirement is one of our taglines. And it's uh, it, it's really a good uh, opportunity. We live on I live on Cape Cod. Our, our primary office is on Cape Cod. We have another office in Dedham, uh, which is outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of retirees in our area. People locally kind of retire to this area oftentimes. And as it turns out, my brother and before him, my father are estate planning attorneys. That helps. And so, yeah, it does help a lot. So um, we have naturally a similar um, clientele in terms of who we work with. And that's been a big help in uh, developing our firm. Awesome. All right. So what do you feel differentiates you from the 
plain vanilla financial advisors of which there are thousands in your area. Yeah, you, you make a good point because uh, as what we do, the, 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 it's a commoditized uh, offering really in many respects. So, you know, there's only a few things that can really differentiate. One of those is the relationships that we have. We're a small firm and we like that. Um, you know, about 180 million right now in assets under management. Uh, and, and that uh, it allows us to be a little bit more personal, which is certainly important to the people we serve. Um, but I think, you know, the excellence is uh, striving for excellence, of course, is an important part of it. What saying what you, when you say what you do something that you do it, um, that the quality of the advice we give, the quality of the service we provide. Uh, one of the things we've been really working toward is just building up a team of outstanding professionals. And that that's really part of what we do is is uh, it's the personal connection. And so having the right people uh, in our on our team is really an important part of that. So, you know, whether it's um, having designations like CFAs, uh, Chartered Financial Analyst, or CFPs, or uh, CHFCs, and, and they're like, all these various designations, we've, we've got um, myself as a, a CASEL, a CASL, a CAP, a CDFA, we've got a bunch of people with different credentials, which are helpful. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, that's a part of it is having things like that that can help provide differentiation in the quality of the uh, services we're providing. Absolutely. What do you, what are some of the ways you, because uh, you've obviously achieved a significant level of success. Um, what have you found have been your primary strategies for growth and client acquisition? Sure. That's a great uh, question. Thank you. Um, a big part of our success has been having the radio show. Um, and, and as I mentioned, um, the, uh, the context with being in the same office space with my uh, brother and, the, and, and before that, my father, uh, in their estate planning law firm, is a natural um, progression of when people need help in one area, they often need help in other areas. And it gives us the opportunity to, to be serving some of the same clientele, though not always. Uh, additionally, I think the radio show has been a big uh, driver for us over time. Um, you know, you, you know what that's like, obviously, but um, having the opportunity to um, have exposure that way is a real plus. It, it's almost a credential, um, like some of those designations that I was referring to, not because it actually is a credential, but it keeps you on your toes. It certainly is a perception of uh, expertise. Um, what I find, though, is uh, it's really a great outlet. Um, it's, and you, you probably can speak to this, too. Um, I'd be interested to have you comment. But you get to talk to all kinds of interesting people when you have a show, right? And uh, in the process of that, if you have a curious mind, it, it can be something that helps keep you, uh, and as a professional, in my case, keeps me better prepared for what questions may arise and, and making sure that I'm uh, up on what's the latest and happening in the markets and all the like, you know, so, but it's fun having a show, isn't it, Seth? Absolutely. Very, a lot of fun. So let's, what inspired that you to That definitely start? is part of how we've leveraged that for how we've grown as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. So what inspired you, first of all, to start the radio show? And then how have you gotten the word out about the show to build an audience? Sure. Uh, time probably has been the best thing. Uh, I've been doing it for about 13 years. Uh, so 
that, and I will say originally I did a radio show um, for a one hour program. And I found that that didn't really give us the traction we needed to get noticed because if you didn't happen to be in the car at the time going to the dump or something, uh, you know, you might not, or church or whatever it was, cause we're on Saturday afternoons. If you didn't happen to catch it, you know, one hour wasn't very long. So having a longer show was important uh, in our progression. What was the nature of your question again? Uh, um, how have you grown awareness of the show? Yeah. Um, well, we also leveraged the show as a podcast. And uh, I don't think it's uh, quite the same. And I, I do think as I, as I think about the future of our show, we'll probably do it a little bit differently uh, to think in terms of trying to reach a broader audience rather than a local audience. But dealing with a local audience, uh, we basically uh, plan our show in a couple of different ways. And this somewhat answers your question. Uh, one hour of the show generally relates to financial content. And another hour is frequently also connected to community engagement. So whether it's local business owners, uh, local charities, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, um, things like that, um, you know, certain times of the year we'll have on uh, local nonprofits that relate to veterans, uh, you know, uh, organizations or other aspects of what are vital to the community. And that is part of how we, engage the community to listen to the program a little bit more than just um, having a financial show that could be just self-serving. We try to make the show not a uh, infomercial of any kind, but more something that's fun and engaging and uh, educational and entertaining all, all at the same time. So, um, but again, it's somewhat of a person, it's an outlet for me as to what's of interest to me. So I've had all kinds of guests, national uh, known guests and had, you know, uh, things way off topic for what you'd think of as a financial show. That's why we call it something more because it's uh, not only about the financial topics, but uh, those quality of life issues that make the money matters matter is what we often say. Absolutely. And I love that it wasn't because I was going to ask you how you maintained engagement um, and stuff like that on a couple hour show without, yeah. you know, resorting to Gary Vaynerchuk tactics for attention. So <laughs> I love that you're interviewing other guests as part of it. I love that it's not just you talking for two hours. It's hard to be fascinating for two hours nonstop. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, and I think, you know, if you have a curious mind, you're, there's always things you're interested in. And uh, if I'm interested in them, I figure others in the audience will be interested too. Absolutely. And I think it's really smart because obviously if you're interviewing other businesses, they have a vested interest in sharing that they were on your platform, which exposes you to their audience as well. Exactly right. I've also uh, started a podcast uh, through the Financial Planning Association. Uh, one of the things that, you know, as, as you grow in the profession, you... Um, it's something you want to give back at times in one form or another, whether it's in your community or, you know, as, to local nonprofits or whatever. In my case, I happened to get involved in my professional association, the financial planning association. And uh, it's, it's been candidly one of those things where as much as you would think, uh, Oh, this is going to be a time consuming endeavor. Um, you get much more than you give when it comes to community engagement in one form or another. And this has been true for the Financial Planning Association and my involvement. And so I've, 
you know, I, I, in the, the, the local chapter, the Massachusetts chapter, it's one of the largest chapters in the Financial Planning Association. Um, I've become more increasingly involved and had cycled through the, the experience of having been on the board and led the board for a time. And now I do a podcast, uh, kind of leveraged my radio um, and podcast uh, experience to try to use it to um, extend that with uh, things that might be of interest to other financial advisors. Um, and so we have another podcast called the, uh, the Wicked Pissa podcast, which of course, obviously for a Massachusetts uh, orientation, but the reason we did that is because there's um, uh, certain uh, CE talks uh, that are called Wicked Cool Talks and Wicked Good Talks. Wicked for smart, the, yeah. So, yeah, so it plays on that and um, uh, through the through the chapter and so forth. But in any case, uh, that's also been a lot of fun. And but I find it challenging at times to come up with, well, what should we talk about this week? Uh, you know, as I'm sure you do with your your uh, your podcast. How do you go about finding who you uh, speak to? So we actually are fortunate enough that we have a two month waiting list. Um, wow. So find so the marketing not only to grow the show and the marketing to get more guests has over delivered. We usually, despite the two month waiting list, we're airing three times a week. We're still behind and we have three or four people pitch us to be on the show at least like every day. Nice, nice. So that's a wonderful challenge to have when I say, hey, we're two months ahead. We got to stop doing episodes for a while. But wait, we've got all these people, awesome people who want to be on. So we may have to start airing every day just to catch up. Nice. That's a good problem to have. It is. So how have you used the radio show to promote lead generation, to drive people, other than the brand awareness, to get people into the office or into a meeting with you or into a webinar or a seminar? Yeah, I would say it's, um, candidly, it's not, that's not our strength, truthfully. As I say, we really try to make it uh, an informative and educational um, kind of uh, programming. I think there are things we could do better by having more uh, thought leadership demonstrated, uh, but with available for, uh, you know, get your 10 tips and seven reasons why you don't or whatever it might sure. be kind of thing. Um, but we do those kind of things and we do promote events, obviously, when we have uh, webinars and seminars and uh, things of that sort, we talk about them on the on the program. But um, candidly, we don't do that as well as some, uh, but I think it's in, also in part because uh, the nature of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it informative. We're trying to make it useful and practical. And when the timing is right, should someone have the need, we want them to be aware of our expertise. And it's simply a matter of uh, being in the right place at the right time and letting them know that we're out here so that when they find that they need some assistance of the types that we provide, financial planning or portfolio management, that they might, we might have top of mind awareness uh, that they would consider working with us. One of the things we try to do oftentimes is talk a little bit about our processes. And, you know, I think that's, um, you know, also to your point about differentiation, um, that's part of what we try to, you know, offer as, as how we can accomplish that. And in our uh, firm, you know, I, I don't think financial planning in and of itself is somewhat unique. We, we refer to our process as 360 financial planning, but it's really that notion of trying to be comprehensive in what we're looking at. And um, 
I think that's, um, you know, important to remind people of that process. You know, we're having our upcoming webinar for our clients uh, in a couple of, in a day or two. And one of the things we're talking about is we're bringing in a guest speaker who's talking about um, a legacy letter. And, you know, that's a little point of differentiation. Um, we all talk about the planning for the stuff and, and the estate planning and the financial planning and making sure that we can, you know, have enough to meet our needs and reach our goals. And that's all important and critical. But there's also the, uh, the other dimension, and this is the how do you pass on your values? How do you pass on uh, the life lessons that you want to share with your next generation? And so that's what we're focusing on for this uh, client event. But that's a good example of thinking about 360 financial planning. It's, it's not just about the stuff, although that's really critical. It's also about the drivers behind that. If we know the why, we can figure out the how. And uh, that's the financial planning is the how, the portfolio management is the how, but the why is uh, what's unique to each family. And in our case, um, we've been developing a, uh, an, what we call active allocation as the, uh, the methodology for our portfolio management. And we, we kind of talk about that with our, our listeners as well and how that might be different from other firms, a point of differentiation. Um, when we uh, talk about that, it's, it's uh, not unique to think in terms of asset allocation as a, a means of managing risk. Uh, how many eggs go into which basket when you're trying to diversify, right? So th that is not unique. But what we're trying to do is just recognize that there can be incremental value by thinking about uh, how we position the portfolio at a given moment in time. So how we do that is not driven by momentum or you know, some of the common ways people do this. It's simply being attentive to what's happening in the economy and being uh, what's happening in interest rates, what's happening with you know, whatever the drivers that might be in the world around us to uh, recognize that certain sectors may benefit, whether it's to recognize that there may be more risk because of valuation in the market and we want to discount some of that exposure. So within parameters, we think in terms of our asset allocation methodology uh, and then we'll tinker with how we want to emphasize risk, how much beta relative to our target that we want to hold in a given yeah, that, portfolio. That, that all makes sense. And you've achieved an immense amount of success. You've broken the $100 million barrier. As you grow towards the half a billion mark, what do you see as your biggest challenge from where you are now to, to, to getting to the next level? Yeah, with scale comes the challenge of maintaining that uh, intimacy that I've talked about that, you know, we want to very much maintain a personal experience in the way we work with people. That's gonna be, I think, our biggest challenge. In the meantime, uh, you know, it becomes important to, to scale, right? And, um, you know, one of the taglines I've been sharing on our podcast as we, the, the, the Wicked Pissa podcast, I, I'm an advertiser on that, so that we can try to grow through uh, inorganic growth as well. You know, we've been, doing our organic growth with the, the way we've grown the practice, but I would like to look to uh, potentially acquisition of other practices, maybe some smaller practices, that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I want to keep that notion of large enough for scale, but small enough to care as uh, an important part of that. So we're, we're looking presently as that is one of our objectives in the near term 
uh, for opportunities to grow the team, grow the practice, and uh, gain a larger presence, uh, maybe a broader footprint in Massachusetts and the New England area, perhaps some exposure in Florida, uh, where a lot of our our clientele tend to be snowbirds and, and uh, it would make sense to have some exposure in that area as well. So I'm actively looking in that process as well. Absolutely. What do you like best about what you do? Oh, there's so much to like about what we do. Um, well, there's, there's the, the client side of it, which is, you know, we're helping people and, you know, I mean, that's, there's something rewarding about that. Just having the opportunity to be, um, you know, helping people not only with their own financial life, but perhaps generationally uh, to have impact for not only themselves, but subsequent generations. Um, so there's a fulfillment aspect of it, first and foremost, that is really enjoyable. I think being a business owner is really enjoyable too. Um, the challenges of how, having, how to grow a business, how to market that business, um, we have certain complexities that we have compliance considerations. We need to be sure we're uh, attentive to and making sure that we're uh, being uh, thoroughly informing our clientele of these requirements and so forth. And so uh, just the dynamics of being a business owner, I think, is really uh, exciting and entertaining. Um, and, you know, in my case, I have these multiple outlets with Every week we produce a show, you know, and, and that's part of what I really enjoy about it too, is just that, that connection with uh, that audience too. So um, this is a great profession. You know what I mean? I, there, there's a lot of great businesses to be in. I'm sure if I didn't land in this uh, job, this uh, profession, uh, candidly, I think there'd be a lot of things I could do and enjoy. Um, I taught for a short time and, and enjoyed that. Didn't see myself doing that forever. But there's a lot of things in this role that are like that, where you, you know, you're really teaching people important uh, lessons. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but candidly, uh, there's a lot to love about being a financial advisor, a financial planner. Um, it, it's really a gift um, and a blessing. You know, people... People share their their most you know their greatest difficulties, their family dynamics. Uh, they reveal a lot of their personal life to you, while at the same time entrusting you with their life's resources, uh, their wealth, and uh, whether it's you know objectively big or small, it's uh, huge to them, and uh, it's a great. Um, display of trust and we have a great responsibility that we uh, have to uh, recognize that with uh, when, when people do share their resources with us to manage or to uh, assist them in their planning. Absolutely, I agree 100%. For our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about um, Chris Boyd and all things AMR, where is the best place for us to send them? Oh, amrfinancial.com is our website. Um, you can also learn more about the show at Something More with Chris Boyd. So either of those will get you to our web address. And uh, if you'd like to connect with us by phone, we have a toll-free number, 866-771-8901.
and we'd, we would love to hear from anyone who happens to hear about this, uh, gets to see us on the podcast. And um, if you'd like, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate, Seth, but uh, anyone who wants to talk to us about their financial planning, we do offer a complimentary consultation, of course. Of course it is. We would hope you would do that. All right. Well, Very this good. has been uh, Seth Green for the Sharkpreneur Financial Services RAA podcast with Chris Boyd of AMR Financial. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. We'll talk to you next time. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. What a pleasure this has been. Thank you. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.